0: On your happy price, price line. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? This is WWE Superstar Drew McIntyre. You're listening to the WWE Podcast. Go, go. The, rated R the, is... the one that everybody wants. Me. Let's go to WrestleMania. Play more. Play more. Oh. Oh. 316 says, I just ripped your ass. This is my item. You're going to acknowledge me. Alright everybody, guys and girls, welcome back to another edition of the Smackdown Review right here on the WWE Podcast. As always, I'm one of the hosts of the show, Michael Ritter. You can find me on Twitter at Michael5Ritter or on Instagram at MichaelRitter5. Also the host of the Football Function Podcast available on all of your podcasting platforms. Including the one that you are listening to this show on and also available on Patreon if you prefer an ad-free experience. No John Carrasco with me today. That's my typical co-host here on the Smackdown Review. He is going to a softball tournament in New Mexico, so he's not able to participate this week. I know that's a bummer for him. He was really looking forward to talking about SummerSlam, obviously, and just it being a go-home show, making our predictions, and um, so he never is a fan of missing, so it does suck for him, but good luck, John, on your softball game. Safe travels, obviously, but... We're going to cover the SmackDown that aired on July 29, 2002 from ATL Ho, Atlanta, Georgia. Looking forward to this episode for sure, obviously, it being a go-home show, but it really wasn't extremely noteworthy. Like um, I feel like, obviously, the, the, the opening match, the good old Donnie Brooke, we'll talk about that to start the show, but that took up 28 minutes. That took up almost an entire quarter of the TV show. So you know whenever something like that happens, obviously the rest of the show seems to go by pretty quickly. But this episode, I'm not really going to focus too much on the down parts of SmackDown. I know this is a SmackDown review, but we're just going to get through it. I'm going to kind of just, you know, run through this bad boy to get it out so you guys can listen to it before the show. But also because I'm going to be giving my SummerSlam predictions um, and a top five at the very end of the episode. So it's not necessarily going to be a shorter episode. I'm just not going to spend a whole lot of time you know, talking about the ins and outs of SmackDown. But obviously, I'm going to um, break it down like I always do. So it's not going to be like we're going to be cutting any corners or anything like that. Just going to kind of preface it at the beginning of the show by letting you guys know kind of what we're in store for because these SmackDowns that fly by like this, especially, you know, whenever you have a match take up 30 minutes, just including commercial breaks, entrances, all that good stuff. Um, the rest of the show seems to follow suit and it ends up wrapping up pretty quickly. At least, you know, whenever you're watching it in real time. But anyways, like I said, Donnie Brooke, that's where this one started. Uh, I really wasn't sure what to expect. I've never seen one of these matches before. I don't know if any of you have, but, um, last week was the first I ever heard of it. So I really didn't know what to anticipate going into this match, but, um, basically what it was, was it was set up like an Irish pub, pretty much. There was like a bar on the outside of the ring. There was all kinds of like kegs is what it looked like, just stacked up kind of barrels is what the uh, Michael Cole and Pat McAfee were ref- referring to them as. So I guess um, we'll kind of just break down some of the highlights of this match, at least what I wrote down. Uh, there was a future shock DDT that Drew McIntyre landed on Sheamus. It was in a pile of chairs. I That's kind of where I thought the match might end, but that was like at like the eight or nine minute mark. And this bad boy obviously went on for about 20 more minutes, so there obviously were some other noteworthy moments that happened. Like Ridge Holland got involved with the shillelagh, tried to take a shot at Drew McIntyre, but he ends up getting put through a table. Sheamus gets thrown into that bar that's kind of set up. It had like a picture of his grandparents, I think it was like a his great-grandfather and his great-grandmother, but they were like, maybe Sheamus dressed up as like an old person, I don't really know, I didn't get that good of a look at him. But you can kind of tell what they were trying to do there. Butch even gets involved. He like tries to jump over or off of those barrels and takes out Drew McIntyre. But he himself ends up getting smacked with a or no 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 no. He smacked Drew McIntyre with a bar stool. Sorry, that was a little bit written weirdly there in my notes. But yeah, Drew McIntyre gets smacked in the back with a bar stool, and then somebody breaks out a massive shillelagh. Like this thing was absolutely huge. It's probably like the size of a kendo stick but a lot bigger and thicker than a kendo stick and obviously gets hurt a lot or it hurts a lot more if you get hit with this bad boy, but in, it ends up getting used on the brawling brutes. Drew McIntyre gets his hands on that and he starts to punish his opponents with it. Like you would expect. Drew does end up finishing this match off with a power bomb through a table and then a brutal claymore that nearly takes Sheamus head off. So Drew McIntyre definitely trying to leave, I guess Atlanta and smack down with a head of steam and momentum behind him, given that he does win this match and earn that opportunity at Clash at the Castle against Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Austin Theory. It really doesn't matter who is the champion as far as Drew McIntyre is concerned because he has that number one contender spot locked up for Clash at the Castle. But speaking of theory, he does come out and attack Drew McIntyre from behind as he's cutting a promo about Roman Reigns being a part-time champion. And he says somebody needs to you know beat that guy. And then immediately after he says it, you see Austin Theory sneak up from behind, whack him with that Money in the Bank briefcase. And, um, you know, he puts a beating on him. Kind of hits him similar to how Brock Lesnar put a beating on Theory a couple weeks ago on, I think, maybe Monday Night Raw. I don't, it might have been SmackDown. I don't really remember which one it was, but whenever Brock Lesnar showed up, any, uh, you know, whoop Theory's ass. That was something that I've enjoyed watching, and I think we might get to see a little bit something like that similar tonight. So we'll see. But uh, up next... Happy Corbin, Barry Corbin, whatever you want to call him, he shows up in the crowd as a paying customer. He does have a ticket in hand, popcorn, a sign that actually has Pat McAfee's mugshot on it. And then he sits directly behind the commentary team and is just an absolute nuisance. They're trying to break down, I guess, maybe like a video package or a progressive match flow or something from a week prior. But um, Corbin, you know, starts throwing popcorn and all that stuff. He does eventually climb over the barricade and kick Pat McAfee right in the nuts. And, you know, given that Pat likes to sell these kind of things, you saw him with a neck brace a few weeks ago whenever they were in Vegas after Money in the Bank. You could expect him to, you know, be selling that tonight for SummerSlam whenever he's walking out to the ring. So it's definitely something to to look forward to. But, yeah, Pat does eventually come back out and he finishes the show. But, yeah, you, um, you don't like to get hit in the nuts. Anybody who's ever gotten kicked or hit in the nuts accidentally on purpose, hopefully not, but... It's not fun. So, uh, yeah, something that hopefully he was wearing a cup or something to protect the uh, family jewels. But anyway, moving on. Shotzi Blackheart, or I guess maybe just Shotzi. I don't know how long it's been since they've dropped the Blackheart part of her name. But Shotzi versus Aaliyah. Not a very long match, longer than I might have anticipated. But it's still ultimately a, a squash match. I thought that Aaliyah was supposed to fight Lacey Evans. But was there something that I missed? I do believe that match was advertised. I don't know if maybe something just... i I, maybe i misread or i just got weeks confused or something like that i don't know i just i I thought going into this that maybe we we were going to get that Aaliyah versus um lacey evans match but we ended up getting Aaliyah versus shotzi not very long shotzi wins with a quote unquote never wake up uh pretty cool finishing move i guess just in a in an era where there's moves like the woman's right and like everybody has some type of like I guess, copied finishing move. Like, I mean, Ronda Rousey has the ankle lock. Natalia has the sharpshooter. I mean, nobody really has unique moves these days. So having a move that is somewhat unique and it does look like a pretty devastating move, I I, I enjoyed seeing this. I think it does add to Shotzi's character for sure. But Ronda Rousey comes out. She cuts another awful promo. I mean, seriously, this is starting to get pretty pathetic. Just her on the mic, just being honest, I'm not trying to, you know take a shot at Ronda Rousey or anybody who happens to be a Ronda Rousey fan. I'm just being objective here. This is, it's like cringe worthy. Like you add Liv Morgan's credibility as champion or just her believability, her overall, I guess potential as being a threat, you know, Liv Morgan is somebody who I've said it as soon as she won the championships or as soon as she won the SmackDown women's championship, I said that she was a very beatable champion. If you add that, with ronda rousey's mic skills like you're talking about like build the worst wwe superstar you know like how some people like to play those little games where you can build the best like you add different traits of different people sometimes people do it in football you know like they'll build the perfect quarterback like add lamar Jackson's speed tom brady's you know neck up just his mental aspect of the game aaron Rodgers' accuracy with patrick mahomes deep throw ability you know things like that you know you can you can basically build a perfect superstar or if you wanted to build The worst superstar, the two women that are involved in the main event for the SmackDown brand, Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan, they do likely would contribute, I guess is one way to put it, to that superstar, just some of their overall attributes. But anyways, she basically is just taking shots at all the women on the roster who are jealous, that basically think they deserve to be fighting for the championship. And then she calls out Liv Morgan, who is her tag team partner in this match that was basically put together in a spur of the moment during a commercial break. Ends up being Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan versus Natty and Sonia. The match itself wasn't very entertaining at first. Started to kind of get interesting towards the end of the match, whenever you know Liv Morgan was kind of start like she was refusing to tag Ronda Rousey back into the match. With the Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. So that dynamic was kind of playing out. You really didn't know if Liv was going to like try to get the win on her own, but she wasn't going to be able to. Like, It was actually, I feel like this hurt Liv more than anything because it's not something that a babyface does if if she's the babyface champion. You're not going to just try to be arrogant and refuse to tag in your partner whenever you need them to come in on the hot tag. I don't care if you're feuding with them or not. We see these things happen all the time. Opponents get tagged together to see if they can coexist. That's always the way that they like to frame it, but... Liv Morgan was doing like the the thing that the Hill would do and I just I, I thought that was kind of weird given that this is kind of I mean I know Ronda Rousey's technically a baby face too but Liv Morgan was doing Hill tactics that's just something that definitely stuck out to me and the fact that she couldn't do it like it's one thing if you do that and you win then you're like okay cool you know she is the champion right now but the fact that she was trying to call her own number not tag in Ronda Rousey and try to you know win this match on her own. She couldn't do it. Ronda Rousey ended up tagging herself in, and she goes in there and makes light work of Sonya Deville and ends up making her tap out with the ankle lock. And I know that, like, Natalia like, got involved and Liv Morgan went not hit the oblivion on her. So technically, yes, she did contribute to the win. But this was one of those matches that if you're a Liv Morgan, I guess, hater, you felt good about this because you're like, look at Liv Morgan. She can't even do this. You know, she can't even handle this match on her own against two women, Natalia and Sonya Deville, who aren't, like, Raquel Rodriguez, or I don't know. I mean, there's really not a whole lot of other credible women on the SmackDown roster. I mean, Lacey Evans is even higher up than Natalya and Sonya Deville. And Liv Morgan was struggling to to put this match away, and it's just something that kind of stuck out to me, and I, I don't personally think it helps her chances tonight at SummerSlam in her one-on-one match with Ronda Rousey. Um, I'm going to be interested just strictly to see the finish. Like, I, I want to know how Liv Morgan wins this match, if she does. Um, I guess we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later whenever I do the, the predictions for SummerSlam, but it's just definitely something you can kind of, you know, keep an eye on. But moving on, I'm going to turn things over to the tag team division. This is probably one of the most interesting things going on as far as SmackDown. I mean, it's even, you know, bleeding over to Monday Night Raw. So this is one of the more interesting feuds going on in all of WWE right now, which is the Street Profits and the Usos. And... This segment was titled "The Referee Instructions." So basically, Jeff Jarrett was going to, you know, say what he's going to allow, what he's not going to allow. And I was actually kind of surprised, like what he said, and I, I didn't know what I was expecting. You know, I don't know why I was surprised. I, I truly didn't have any expectations. I thought it was going to be your typical special guest referee, whatever. They know he has a match with Ric Flair Sunday, so I think they're just maybe trying to get a little bit of the rub. You know, I don't, I don't really know if that's the proper terminology for it, but. I think Jeff Jarrett has definitely got his name in the new cycle right now. It's definitely a trending name in the wrestling world, given that he is going to be involved in Ric Flair's last match. So I just think the timing's kind of weird. That's, that's all I'm going to say is that now they choose to randomly have him be a special guest referee. I, I don't know. It's just something that I thought was a little bit interesting. But he comes out. He does give his instructions. He says, look, I'm going to let you guys basically go at it. I know you guys got you know have a lot of animosity for each other. And I'm going to you know let you guys have it out in fact you know if if you guys want to go at it right now go ahead and he kind of just backs up and you know they start talking they go back and forth and one thing i will say the street profits obviously i mentioned they were in atlanta smackdown was in atlanta uh, on friday night and typically on like a, a small market or one of the areas that wwe isn't necessarily proud to go they don't Repeat where they are over and over again, and they were very frequently saying that they were in Atlanta. So, as you know, an Atlanta fan, as you guys know, I am, I enjoyed that a, a hell of a whole lot. And then seeing the street prophets come out in their Falcons themed gear, a lot of people might not have caught that because there wasn't like a Falcons logo on it or anything like that. But the number font, the twenty four on. Montez ford gear, like I mean, he has twenty four. Anytime they have like their Street Profits jersey shirts that they wear, no matter what. I mean, I've seen Miami Heat themed. I've seen, I think maybe Los Angeles Laker themed as well that they've done. But they did come out in Falcon themed just from the number font. That's all it was, and the color obviously red. But the other twenty four on Montez Ford's shirt was the exact twenty four that Devonte Freeman wore, and a lot of other you know Falcons players as well. But that he's probably one of the more recent popular names, and it's just something that jumped out to me immediately and. Just being completely honest, that definitely shot the street profits way higher up on my list. I mean, I got a picture with them last month, or yeah, it was last month. I believe it was whenever they came here to Amarillo, and um, yeah, it's uh, street profits are definitely a team that I am, I'm high on. You could say the to say the least. We want the smoke for sure over here, but they kind of go back and forth. They take some good shots at each other. Uh, they're basically just asking, "Hey Jeff, will it be a disqualification if I?" punch montez ford and break his nose and have it bleeding all over the ring they're referencing what happened on monday night raw and then the street profits i feel like get the better uh, dig here when they say hey jeff would it be a disqualification if i punch jimmy so hard his face paint comes back and they start you know impersonating the old usos little entrance that they were doing that was good stuff I i will say and then obviously um a brawl breaks out like you would expect. Jeff Jarrett does eat a super kick, though. Sells the hell out of it. It was one of the better, you know, he did better at selling that super kick than literally about 85% of the roster, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. Obviously, Jeff Jarrett's a Hall of Famer, so it's not like this is somebody coming off the streets selling a, a super kick. This is somebody who's had a very, you know, prestigious wrestling career, and um, just seeing him sell it like that, it caught me off guard. I was like, whoa, man, I, I really didn't expect that, but it was a hell of a job by him, and I am looking forward to that match more than any match on the entire SummerSlam car just being completely honest that tag team match um I, I really think I really feel like this is the two best teams in all of wrestling and I, you know obviously I'm not a you know huge aew fan I don't even watch impact or anything like that but I, I just really think that I mean obviously the Usos and the street profits as far as like momentum and kind of where it, I guess if you factor potential into it because that's really all the street profits have is like what they can be and people are already calling for them to be split so maybe you don't even put their name in that tag team hat right now as far as like projection going forward but the usos i mean their resume speaks for itself they're on a hell of a tag team reign i do feel like they're doing their best work right now like i I truly believe that and they, they had some good years behind them some really good feuds with the new day in the past obviously and they feuded with several other tag teams as well but just what they have going on right now with the bloodline, being the undisputed tag team champs, having the 1D as their finisher. And um, I just truly, and Jey Uso, his emergence. You know, nobody really knew who he was back in the day. They knew he was Jey Uso, don't get me wrong, but they didn't really know, you know, if he had it in him to be that next level, you know? And I feel like last fall, he proved that he does. And uh, was it even last fall or the fall before that? I don't know. It's been forever, honestly, but. The Usos have definitely elevated, and I just feel like, you know, matching these two teams up um, with the belt on the line at a pay per view like SummerSlam has all the makings of just you know a a hell of a good program. I guess maybe this is probably going to be the end of it. I guess you could say, but I don't know. I I do look forward to making my uh, my pick later on in the show. But moving on here to the Maximum Male Models. Uh, Maxine Dupree introduces, I think it was the Summer, SummerSlam Beachwear something. I, I really don't know. Um, they titillate your juices. That's really all I can give you there. I, I'm not really feeling this, just to be completely honest. I know some people are. Good for you. Um, I, I hope that maybe it does grow on me at some point. But you know, right now, it's. I can't get into them just zooming in all over their asses and their abs and... Their face, you know, I'm not a fan of Mace, Mace, whatever you want to call him. I was not a fan of him in the ring. I do feel like for his size, he is very, very sloppy. Um, like, I don't know if like big guys aren't supposed to be like master classes in the ring or anything like that, but just like he's like when you look at big guys, he's not one of the ones that like, like when you think of Omos, you know, like, okay, this dude's a big guy and he's gonna do some very athletic stuff. Whenever you see Mace in the ring. It's like eh, it's one of those like fake big guys, you know, like one of those big guys that you would expect to be like a badass on the football field, but ends up getting pancaked by like a 5'10 linebacker that just gets a good shot on him. You know, that's kind of what I see with Mace. You know, you've seen guys like this in the past, and that's probably why he cannot find a consistent gimmick. I mean, he was the commentator, right? Whenever he stood up to Brock Lesnar, ends up getting powerbombed or suplexed. I don't even know what happened, but he gets put down whenever he was on the, um, the commentary team. And then he comes back with retribution. Uh, yeah. Do I need to say anything about that? It was an absolute flop and probably the lowest point in his career. And then you move on to whenever he was like a tag team with T-Bar and that's, I don't even know. It was, he has not had a great WWE career, honestly. And I do feel like something better happened with this because this is like in the no way Jose type, I guess, tier or conversation. Category, in other word, uh, in other words, like they're kind of setting him up for failure. You know, like I, I really don't think that this thing is going to be able to stick. We'll see how it transitions to end the ring because at some point it does have to. Uh, Mansoor as well. He's somebody that I feel like is Hulk Hogan over there, or John Cena. May, maybe might be a better reference. John Cena of Saudi Arabia. You know, to somebody who is, you know, the chosen one. You know, the one that is the top guy wherever he was wrestling. And getting to come over here and wrestle with WWE. I mean, he had his little tag team program, uh, love-hate relationship with Mustafa Ali. And then now, obviously, this. I'm not high on this, I guess, um, to say the least. I really, uh, I, I didn't plan on even talking about this very long. I really just said they titillate your juices, and I planned on moving on. But I, I did feel like maybe expressing myself a little bit better just to let you guys know that this just is not for me. But moving on, Viking Raiders versus the New Day. The Viking Raiders win decisively with a vicious powerbomb, and they bring their shields into the ring and use them as a weapon to basically snap Xavier's ankle. Uh, Xavier is from Atlanta as well, so is Austin Theory. So we had a couple hometown guys um, on the roster tonight. But I will say I love when they do this, the whole ankle thing, because I will say, if you guys remember back in the Ruthless Aggression era, whenever Batista made his evolution debut right because everyone knows he was deacon batista he had a couple stints that didn't necessarily work out early like in 2002 but in 2003 whenever he debuted on monday night raw with evolution there was like that bounty that triple h had it was a 250 thousand dollar briefcase with cash inside of it that said whoever puts goldberg on the shelf gets this cash anybody within the sound of my voice doesn't matter who you are and you know for Weeks on in, we had seen, you know, people, you know, trying to attack Goldberg in the parking lot, right? Like a car go by. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasino.com. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Somebody trying to attack him backstage and then ended you know, up, you know, kicking their ass and you know so on and so forth. And then eventually Batista comes out, Batista bombs Goldberg, grabs that steel chair, puts it around his ankle, jumps off the top rope and shatters his ankle. You know, in kayfabe Fab, obviously, storyline, I, as a, as a fourth grade kid, whenever this was going on live, I thought his ankle was broken and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the craziest thing on earth. So anytime I see something like this happen, that always takes me back to that specific storyline. And that's basically what happened with Xavier Woods. And just, you know, going back, Goldberg did have to sell that ankle injury for months, at least like one or two months that, you know, his ankle was, you know, pretty messed up. So we'll see how they do it with Xavier Woods. But the Viking Raiders certainly have an arrow pointing up right now with their new gimmick. Their theme song makes them more credible just alone. Honestly, it's not that that uh, that raid song that they had. It's more of like a it's definitely like a darker song now. It makes them feel like a heel tag team. And obviously their new face paint that they have. I'm I'm all for the Viking Raiders getting a little bit of a fresh coat of paint going forward to maybe try to put a little bit more credibility into this tag team division. But moving on to the last thing in the show in terms of SmackDown, Uh, Paul Heyman is in the ring and he's doing his thing, you know, cutting a promo like nobody else can. He points out that for 35 years, nobody has gotten to 700 days as the heavyweight champion. And he says that after Roman Reigns beats Brock at SummerSlam, he's going to put him down for good. And then, like you would expect, Brock Lesnar comes out and he corners Paul Heyman in the ring. And then Theory comes up from behind and uh, tries to attack Brock Lesnar. And, I mean, I I will say there was like a run-in earlier in the show where Paul Heyman was seen talking to Austin Theory. And he puts his hand around him and says, you know, I I have a proposition for you or something like that. I don't really know exactly what it was. Maybe an opportunity was the word that he used. But either way, he had said something to him and they walked away. We didn't see what it says. It was right after he had like a backstage interview with Caleb Braxton after he attacked Drew McIntyre earlier in the show and was just like, yeah, Drew McIntyre is, you know, doesn't matter who it is. I'm going to cash in at SummerSlam is pretty much what he was trying to guarantee in that backstage interview. But that was pretty much irrelevant. They were just trying to get us to this, this little image of Paul Heyman walking away with Austin Theory. So, I mean, Theory comes out and he tries to help Paul. I really don't understand that dynamic. I'm hoping to, you know, find out a little bit more as, you know, things unfold, especially tonight. But, um, Brock Lesnar basically swats him like a fly honestly like he literally just beats the hell out of Theory again with that briefcase and Theory runs away but as he's running up the ramp he is met with a vicious Claymore from Drew McIntyre and then we get that face off Drew and uh, Brock Lesnar they kind of just stare at each other as Smackdown goes off the air which I did think was kind of interesting just you know and they do have history obviously Drew McIntyre won his championship from Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania so it's not like this is the first time we've seen these guys go at it or anything like that, but it's always just like, you know, seeing two behemoths like that stare at each other and knowing that there is a possibility at class of champions. It's probably the least likely is Brock Lesnar winning. I feel like Theory has a better chance of winning the championship than Brock just because it truly makes no sense for Brock Lesnar to be the one to beat Roman Reigns. You know, there's absolutely no way. There's 0% chance. So this face-off, this little stare-down that we got, it's probably as far as um, as these guys are gonna go, but that is SmackDown. Um, that was the go home show. As we head into SummerSlam tonight, I'm gonna go ahead and give you guys my quick predictions. Just um, you know uh, for the card itself, and I'll start with the Mysterios and Judgment Day. No disqualification match. Haven't been watching Raw, so I'm not going to pretend to give you guys. I'm gonna go back and watch the this past episode just because you know obviously triple h is first as head of creative in madison square garden i am intrigued to watch that one so i do want to catch up before Summerslam. but just you know on paper looking at this match i want to pick the judgment day just because i don't feel like there's necessarily a reason why the mysterios need to win this something has to happen here right like i don't know if it's dominic turning on uh his dad, I know people kind of thought about that, but, I mean, keep in mind, SummerSlam wouldn't be a bad time because of the custody of Dominic Ladder match taking place at SummerSlam in, like, 2004, maybe? I don't know, I think it might have been 2004, but... So, SummerSlam has meaning, too. I know that the 20-year anniversary for Rey Mysterio at Madison Square Garden would have been a hell of a spot to do it, but if it were to happen at SummerSlam, I feel like it would be just as good. But if there's no type of, like, crazy situation that happens i think judgment day should win this match pretty decisively just being completely honest but the Miz versus logan paul logan paul's definitely going to win this um it's his first match since he signed a contract with wwe there's no way he's not going to win um i know champa might have something you know to do with this match who knows um but all i can say is logan paul i mean the formula whenever somebody like logan paul signs a contract with wwe and they have their first match More often than not, they do end up winning that match. So I will definitely go on record and pick Logan Paul to uh, win this one. But the Raw Women's Championship match, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. Some people have picked Becky here. And it's interesting because I do feel like for the first time in Bianca's reign that this is the first match that it's like she could lose this. You know, I mean, she lost at SummerSlam last year to Becky Lynch, 26 seconds. We all remember that. But I think this year will be a little bit different. And I'm going to pick Bianca Belair to win. And I think she's going to retain. I don't anticipate a double turn. I think that's something that uh, could happen down the road, but not necessarily tonight. Bianca Belair retains. And she walks away with her Raw Women's Championship. Now moving on to the SmackDown Women's Championship. Ah, man. I'm going to pick Ronda Rousey. Honestly, I know I'm a Liv Morgan fan. You guys know that. And uh, I don't even think she's gotten side plates yet on her championship. So that's how short her reign has been and maybe how they didn't expect it to happen. And it was kind of like, well, we didn't plan on her being champion, so now we got to go make these things because we didn't already have them pre-made. I don't know, really. The, this one is interesting because it, it's been so so short, right, since Liv's won her championship. So it's like, do you want to take it off of her right now and you know, end her run before it really gets going? I feel like the crowd is behind her, but it's been pretty underwhelming in my personal opinion, her reign as champion. So I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if it was you know, stripped away from her tonight. But I guess we'll see what happens. The Undisputed Tag Team Championship match between the Usos and the Street Profits with special guest referee Jeff Jarrett. Um, I want to pick the Street Profits, obviously. I'm just, you know, me being a fan of them, like I just mentioned earlier in the show. The little shoving match that happened with uh, Jeff Jarrett And the Usos at the end of their segment makes me think that he might be a little bit leaning towards the Street Profits. So that kind of plays into their favor as well. But they're just too hot. You know, they really are. So this is one that I feel like if it ends without the Street Profits turning on each other or them winning the championship, I am interested to see where it goes from here. Like, how do they recover from, like, because you're at the top of the mountain now. You know, you've already climbed. You've done that hard part getting up there to this match where you have a a SummerSlam match for the championships against the Usos. If you lose this, you basically go to the bottom of the line. And are you going to be willing to, you know, climb up there again with the same, you know, we want to smoke gimmick every single week doing your thing? It's going to be interesting to see. For sure, I do feel like WWE is at a crossroads with these two, but I will pick the Usos to win this match, Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin. Pat McAfee all day. I'll never not pick Pat, especially against a guy like Corbin. Uh when Pat has been getting, you know, cheap shot, He got kicked out of his chair last week, um last night, obviously got kicked in the nuts. Pat McAfee's definitely going to have his way with Corbin and all the and also Pat McAfee does have a new song. I noticed that. He has his first official WWE theme song. It's not Seven Nation Army anymore. Which sucks, I enjoyed chanting that at Wrestlemania with the crowd, so um, it's going to be weird getting used to his new one, but we really don't hear it very often, so probably won't be weird at all. But definitely picking Pat to win that one. United States Championship, I'm picking Bobby Lashley. Uh, shout out to Theory, he is you know, doing a hell of a job right now, just feuding with so many different people, obviously. He's involved in this United States Championship match. He's been going at it with uh, Mad Cat Moss on SmackDown. Had a couple uh, pretty good matches with him over the past couple of weeks. Obviously involved with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Given his interaction with Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre. I mean, he is definitely working his ass off. Dolph Ziggler, another guy, I believe, you know, had something to do with um, with Austin Theory over the past couple of weeks. But I don't think he's going to win this. I do feel like this is where they put an end to his United States Championship little era that that program of him and he is moving on to bigger and better things I don't know if he's going to cash in successfully I don't I definitely don't know if he's going to cash in at all tonight we'll see I think it would be smart to kind of continue playing with it but he's definitely getting involved a lot of airtime. they're shoving this he has the briefcase down our throat and I mean why would you not he's an arrogant SOB and you know you you want to see him get his ass kicked he has been getting his ass kicked so eventually I feel like he's going to get the last laugh we'll see if it ends up being tonight though Um, speaking of tonight the universal championship wwe undisputed universal championship sorry match between roman reigns and brock lesnar last man standing match it is the main event this match is going to be pretty damn good just because it's not just your typical one two three you know it's i know that we've we're all tired of seeing brock versus roman one two three just your basic match for the championship this is a little bit different so uh i am you know trying to see the dynamic of how things kind of play out throughout this one if the briefcase does become a a factor here but either way going to be a very interesting match and i do expect roman reigns to win and walk out of summerslam as the wwe undisputed universal champion but we will go ahead and move on to the final part of this episode of the smackdown review which is a top five not necessarily friday but i mean that's what we call it over here top five friday so this was actually suggested by the wwe ringside podcast so shout out to them on twitter basically asked me who I would like to see you know in TV 14 I, I took it as people who were on the roster I didn't you know kind of think of it from think about it from the perspective of like wrestlers that aren't with WWE and maybe were at one point like who would I like to see come back and do TV 14 but I kind of just did this one with the formula of people who are on the roster right now who am I excited to see? Under the TV 14 formula and no longer in the PG formula, and I feel like that was a hell of a question. So, like I said, shout out to the WWE Ringside Podcast, and uh, I'll go ahead and start it off here. Number five, Edge. Um, just number one, his promos, right? Like how good he is on the mic. In this version of Edge, seeing him in TV 14, I feel like we would get a damn good promo every single week, and it's not like we don't already. You know, I mean, like I said, Edge is a hell of a guy on the mic, but getting him. With the um, the leeway that TV fourteen would give, you would hear some, some pretty thought out shots. Like if he was a hill, the shots that he would take at his opponent would probably have a little bit of vulgarity into it. That's just something like what he is. You know, that that, that's what his character was when he was the Rated R superstar before WWE went to PG, and Edge was a hill. He one hundred percent pushed that line, and and I think that in twenty twenty two it would be interesting to see. So I just, you know, the fact that we've already seen it is why I put him at number five and the guys ahead of him are, um, they're younger. Some of them are, there's another one that's not, but they, they haven't been on TV 14 in WWE yet. So that's why I am excited to, to see them at some point, hopefully get a chance. And number four is AJ Styles. He's the other older one. The only reason why is because he wasn't around in WWE before the PG era. We've only gotten to see PG AJ Styles. I want to see at least one run of TV-14 AJ Styles and just see what that character looks like. Honestly, just because I'm intrigued. He had a hell of a run in TNA. Um, I don't know what their rating was back in the day. I imagine it was probably the same as WWE, but either way, I would love to see him at the WWE under a TV-14 format. But moving on to another one. Kevin Owens. I I just I'm I'm a huge fan of him on the mic. I feel like he kind of goes off the off the script a little bit or at least more than other people do. Maybe he's just an unscripted wrestler, who knows. But TV14 Kevin Owens would be damn good. The shots he would take at the crowd in every city he went in if he was a heel or just the things that he would say about his opponent if he was a babyface. So there's just so many things to get excited about with Kevin Owens under the umbrella of a TV14 format but let's see moving on so i have number five number four number three uh number two is the street profits and the reason why i have them is just because kind of similar to number one is just their gimmick you know that they're pretty interesting on the mic as well and i just kind of want to see what they bring with a little bit more of like a adult audience perspective because i feel like they do kind of try to cater to like the younger kids and you know be a little bit funny to them I want to see them both cut a promo under TV 14 just to see kind of what they would say, number one, and how far they would take that. We want the smoke gimmick in their uh, their red solo cups. I just think that it would be it would be fun to watch. I think it would be entertainment, 100%. But number one, Matt Riddle, or just Riddle, if you want to look at him like that. And it's kind of similar to the Street Profits, just his, uh, his personality, his character, uh, the way he is. I wanna see him go off the walls. And under TV 14, I feel like we are going to see a, a different version of Matt Riddle and it's probably going to be a little bit more, I guess, relaxed. I mean they had a we want or RK Bro 420, we just smoked your ass shirt before T V fourteen. So you can imagine that um they're definitely going to play with that line a little bit once they finally do officially move over to T V fourteen. But that is my top five. I did want to get that out really quickly here. Uh, Sorry it wasn't a little bit longer of an episode in total, obviously. Um, If John would have been here, we would have gotten his opinions on the pay-per-view and all that good stuff. And I know that he will let us know what he thought about the pay-per-view on next week. So shout out to John. Hopefully uh, everything goes great for you with your softball tournament. And you are back in time to hopefully get a chance to tune in to SummerSlam. Shout out to the WWE Ringside Podcast, obviously, for um suggesting the top 5 and we will have another one as soon as me and John are back recording here we're going to do that um i guess the the stock up is what we're going to call it. I'm not really sure exactly what we we're going to call it but we're going to go back and forth and just picking different wrestlers that are young or old whatever it is that we are going to you know expect to have a pretty big 2023. So that's still something that we're going to do. We just haven't necessarily had the time to do it but it is coming for sure. Um WWE podcast is obviously Putting out episodes damn near every single day. You got the Raw review. You got the mailbag. This week it was the TakeOver edition. You also have the WTFW podcast. Memphis Mark is taking over the NXT review. Mimi Burris is back doing AEW. So obviously business as usual here. You're going to get your content. It's the one-stop shop. So hopefully you will subscribe to Patreon to get the ad-free experience. And obviously I hope that you will go listen over there on Football Function. We've had some very familiar voices. Some listeners of the WWE podcast and some other people just a good little insight to uh, what you could expect with the upcoming NFL season. So thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy SummerSlam tonight. Have a damn good rest of your weekend. Walk passionately in the direction of your dreams, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.